Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome everyone to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is Friday. It's the 6th of December. It's the sixth day of Christmas. And, you know, it's the weekend. Hopefully I can finish decorating my tree. I've been really bad, uh, you know, this um this week after getting a tree that I've never gotten before. Cause I always get like, uh, you know, Frasers and for the first time I got this big fat white pine and I'm like, it's like massive and just really fluffy and stuff. So I need a ladder to actually <laughs> get around it. Cause it's like so big and whatnot. So, um, I'll probably be spending the weekend doing that and just enjoying some downtime because this week has been insane. Uh, kind of recharge because next week's going to get even more insane. Um, so right now, uh, we have a lot of things going. Uh, last year around this time, I was telling you guys about Libya, remember? And I've been talking about Libya on and off for <laughs> over a year, how it's really important that we pay attention how, you know, this little, little portion of Libya is supposedly the legit, you know, portion of Libya because the UN says so. And that Turkey has entered to be the army. Well, guys, war was just declared and diplomats are being expelled. Mainstream media, not a peep. So we got to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, these impeachment hearings, but we're also going to take talk about HR4, something I talked about months ago. Actually, in 2018, I had told you that the Democrats will try to steal your vote because they will fail on impeachment. They will fail. Many of them will be rounded up. So remember, I had told you that there's this bill that they're putting where they take power away from states on how to execute the elections and force them to do it their way. And then also it means that the Federal Electoral Commission has, you know, five seats and the um, party in charge uh, gets to pick three of the people and the other two or the other party Um which is even more bizarre because this is how they can hide money. I mean, you have to ask yourself, are these people insane? They're literally telling us we want to put our own people there so that we can cover up for our fraud, like defrauding you while we're giving money for make-believe blimps. We're lining our pockets. 
defrauding you while we're giving supposedly U.S. aid, but we're lining our pockets. Defrauding you that we're selling arms, but we're lining our pockets. That's what it is. And then this morning I've had uh, a conversation, you know, on my Facebook, you know, for friends only, uh, you know, when I talk with like friends and family, you know, I don't have it on a public setting, but I was talking with a friend of mine who was the one that got away. He was this little sailor that I met. Um, he had finished boot camp around the time that I had and I saw him there right after boot camp. And then I saw him again when I went to OCS cause he was air traffic control. So he went to like lengthy school and command there. So we were talking about Pensacola and the shooting and you know, David Greenwald, I, I adore this guy. Like seriously. Um, he was the only person that was nice to me cause I was so young and so naive, um, you know, playing, um, I, I used to like bowling a lot. I'm going to tell you that. But there weren't a lot of places you could go when you're under 21 uh, with sailors and jarheads, except for strip joints. And that was pretty lame. You know, it gets it gets old looking at women and you're just like, this is so lame. Uh, so um, he's he's pretty he's he's a pretty awesome guy. But he said something that is true. It's really, really odd that this is the third incident with a master at arms killed by a gate runner fort story. You know, this seems like it's like Fort Hood all over again. And all of these people that supposedly are shooters hear voices. They're being told they need to do this. And it's like some, you know, next level stuff, you know. And for people like myself that can go through the looking glass, I can tell you that this is like a typical MO. And the only reason things like that are done on a base, it's when they're trying to mine for information, meaning distraction. So in Pearl Harbor, what was it that they were extracting? What documents were being stolen? What information did they want to destroy or retrieve? The same thing goes for the Naval Air Station. Now, NAS in Pensacola has a lot of, you know, little bases. Uh, you know, it, it would take me like 10 minutes maybe to drive to the main Naval Air Station um, from my command. Uh, I uh, my, my actual first command where I was attached uh, for... Uh, a good couple of years was um, the Corey Station, which is where you train in warfare. And uh, that's a base where, uh, you know, it's surrounded by an electric <laughs> a fence that sucks if you touch it. So it sucks to be you if you touch the fence. Um, but, you know, I was at NAS for further training at uh, some um, part of my um, career, I would say. And, um, it's pretty bizarre because, you know, we have our Blue Angels there, but we used to have our officer candidate school there too. And we used to have some really, I shouldn't say that, should I? I mean, let's just say, you know, we did have attachments that had fences that were electric, electrifying, electrifying. Um, and now it's the educational command center. This is a little bit concerning for me in regards to the two bases that they targeted with the information that I know. So that is important for me. Navy, the secretary of the Navy gets fired. Suddenly we have all this specific. And like I said, this could be simply a distraction. So this kind of terrifies me a little bit, a little bit. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll see. Do we get the sailor's name? 
are we actually going to see what went on? That'll be a very interesting to see. Um, so as that's developing, uh, like I said, we're going to talk about Libya, Turkey, the expulsion of Libyan diplomats, the declaration of war from Benghazi to Turkey. And we're going to talk about Senator Kramer blocking the um, genocide, the Armenian genocide bill that Schiff put forward. And like I said, I am 100% on board that a genocide happened. But what did I say? We do not need to sign that. Not right now. And the fact that Schiff pushed it should make more sense to people to be objective. There's some battles we will just be like, all right, we're not doing this because you want us to do it. We're also going to get into impeachment. And the reason I say this is because there was a little tidbit of information that I had on a conversation with a friend of mine named Gavin where he heard something on a radio show and I was like, what? Uh, I didn't hear it. And, uh, because I haven't had any time. You guys, I listen to a lot of people. I watch a lot of YouTube shows and I listen to commentary from other people, especially when they have guests, interesting guests, because sometimes interesting guests Hmm. drop little Easter eggs. Well, this was a bomb that was dropped and no one talked about it. I'm writing about it. And you know, what's really weird yesterday when I was writing about it for some reason, you know, I, my whole site was spam filled. Like there were tons of pop-up ads. You couldn't get away from it, you know, because like I told you, for some reason, Google decided after my Google article explaining how they funded, they funded CrowdStrike. They fund these elections. I mean, it's only me and Alex Jones that have like Laura Loomer hasn't been banned from Google ads, but I have. So my little poxy site was banned from Google. I should have seen it when I was on the Google MoMA thing. Darn it. I should have seen it. Um, you know, which is their intermittent. I should have seen it coming, but, um, What's interesting is, um, you know, because I've been banned from those ads, uh, the website, you know, costs money. So I use those to generate, which is, and I don't like them spam filled. Well, it turns out I was like, ugh, I obviously typed the wrong code or something and it was just filled. And I want to say that I typed it and it was just filled and it wasn't the content that set it off, but I had to stay up, uh, you know, after I took a nap, because that's what I've been doing lately, I stayed up and actually had to code the whole back end of my site to clear it out, um, and redo it. So it's better now <laughs> it's gone. And all the ads like pfft, done, it's like, whatever, I'll figure it out. I'll just pick up more contracts. I don't know, but that's the thing. The, 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 what I was doing at the time when this happened, guys, was writing up about Ronald Reagan's impeachment and how, and you're going to be like, what? Ronald Reagan was impeached. No, but they tried to impeach him. Okay. And I've spoken in very, very deep, in very lengthy detail many times about events in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties, even though I wasn't born, uh, during most of these events, right? I study them let's say, because I'm good with history. And sometimes when you look forward into things, you have to understand why the forward happens because the past always proves the future. And even though I may have my own way of stepping through that, uh, just like Alice in Wonderland, I 
have to take reference from the past because it makes absolutely no sense. And I've said this time and time again. So many of you are like, yep, you've said it. Number one, we have to let them pull their own pants down. Number two, crooks and, you know, corrupt people and corrupt antics that we are seeing now are creatures of comfort. I've said that before, right? People like them are creatures of comfort. They use the same trick over and over again because it worked before they re-implement. Remember, I've said that many times. What we're seeing today is a repeat. Repeat what they did with Nixon. Repeat what they did with Reagan. And you know, the failures of impeachment, nobody likes to talk about because everyone's like, Reagan's so awesome. Even the Democrats, uh, stop. You guys tried to impeach him. You guys put a special counsel. You guys did all that because you knew that the Clintons were going to be popping up with that cocaine stuff. So where's Barr? Barr should know this like the back of his hand. He was smack dab in the middle of that stuff. But never mind, right? I urge you to go to ToriSays.com and just type in William Barr and just Bill Barr and just look. So again, what is Bill Barr? <sighs> Not putting all my eggs in that basket, but I could say could be like the Godfather 3. That is what I'm going with. You know, that whole redemption thing. The whole I did all this bad, let me fix it thing. Let's hope. Let's hope. So... Let's begin with what is really necessary to be heard. Let's begin with what is happening out in the world right now. Right now, we have turmoil. Right now, we have, okay, a state in the Middle East that needs to be fixed. It is not working well. It is not going well. It is actually quite hectic. And all we have is gaslighting from the Democrats in regards to it. So I think it's important that we understand that. There's war. This is war. We are at war. It's just more civilized. And the thing is, we're undergoing a revolution, a global revolution right now, global revolution and a civil war within our own borders. I want you to listen to what um, uh, Naval Air Station Pensacola had to say about the shooting first. Take a listen. Enforcement and with the FBI uh, in our actions afterwards. As I said, the base is shut down. It'll be shut down until further notice, until we can um, really understand the situation. But the important thing is that the, uh, it is no longer an active shooter situation. We do have several deceased and several wounded. Um, my heart goes out to those families of the deceased and of the wounded. They're part of the Navy family. Um, they are, are they're part of us. Um, and our heart goes out to those of you who, have, uh, who may be affected by this tragedy. Um, as I said, we're working with local county law enforcement um, and federal entities. And uh, right now I'd like to pass it over to the mayor, see if you have anything further to add. So. Captain, um, certainly this is a tragic day for the city of Pensacola. Uh, NAS is incredibly an important part of our community. For 200 years this has been a part of the city of Pensacola. And our, we're a military town. 
our hearts and prayers are connected to all those that serve us every day. And certainly the expectation that this would happen here at home was unexpected. But I can tell you that uh, all of our sympathies are with the men and women who are out here on this base. And uh, we, are, we are currently in a support role. We will continue to do that. Uh, we are certainly thinking about all those individuals who are still hospitalized. And our thoughts and prayers are with them. Uh, I will say this is a resilient community. We will overcome this, but today this is certainly a tragic day, and our thoughts and prayers are with all of them. Let me say for those of you locally, if you have no business over on this part of Warrington, please do not come over here. Everything is closed down. Uh, we will continue to have our uh, police officers with the sheriff's officers uh, keeping people from over here at this particular time. So if you don't have business over here, please do not come over to this side of town. Uh, but again, thank you uh, very much for the opportunity to be here and just express how uh, our condolences and our sorrows uh, for those here at the, uh, at the Naval Air Station. I just want to say... That, you know, at NAS, by the way, that's where I got all 22 series of my NEATS uh, certification done. That's like the Naval Electronic Engineering Training Series. I got all 22, by the way. And I was a little kid when I did it. I, and I had a lot of fun doing it, too. Um, I'm just going to tell you that it's really odd that the shooters are targeting civilian workers. And all of them have mental issues and thoughts and sounds and, and that they hear things and that, you know, they're confused and they don't know what's going on. Uh, I just want to stress that to you guys um, because it's really bizarre that, yeah, that, that, that like, like Greenwald said, you know, the master at arms, like that's just odd that it's just a constant thing. So. On that note, let's shift a few gears, right? And go to our local stuff before we get into the war that actually is happening. Like diplomats are being expelled from Greece right now. Um, and I'll have to um, flex my linguistic skills with you and interpret, uh, you know, over the over the speeches that you're going to hear. So instead, I want to like shift gears and go back uh, to, uh, to a DM that I got of uh, Collins actually talking about the law that I've been telling you about since it was, you know, manufactured in their heads back in early 2018. And I said, they're coming for your vote. We've, you know, Election fraud is real. I've been talking about it for years. And um, with uh, Millie Weaver, we have found exactly why, how, and when. And if you have not gone to her YouTube channel, Millennial Millie, to see that video, she puts it so nicely together. You know, I, sh I, should, I should do a YouTube channel, right? I, I will try to figure out a way of how to upgrade my tech and maybe live air me sitting in the studio. But then it would suck because if I sneak a cigarette in between can't do that on air because then it's just showing my dirty habits. And it's like, do we really want to show our dirty habits? So, but I think I should do that because sometimes if there's, um, you know, video, you can see what I'm talking about and it would be easy too. uh, let's, um, let's take a listen to what the Democrats are doing. And Collins only points out factions of this bill. My main concern, aside from the fact of centralizing the voting system and disallowing uh, the states to be able to dictate how they execute uh, elections, uh, is the whole money thing. Now, that's the big deal. The fact 
that the FEC would be ruled by the ruling party, which sounds a lot like a monarchy. Take a listen. The right to vote is of paramount importance in democracy, and its protection from discriminatory barriers has been grounded in federal law. Act of 1965. A Supreme Court decision called Shelby County will be mentioned here many times today. And also I want to say it's been mentioned many times that the Supreme Court directed or instructed this body to do something. They did not. What they did say in the decision was if Congress wants to, they can revisit this. And as we could on most anything, we are revisiting. But to say that we were directed to is a little bit of an overstatement and just needs to be clarified. But it's important to remember that this Supreme Court decision only struck down one outdated provision of the Voting Rights Act, namely an outdated formula based on decades-old data that doesn't hold true anymore, describing which jurisdictions had to get approval from the Department of Justice before their voting rules went into effect. It's important to point out that, every, that other very important provisions of the Voting Rights Act remain in place and were not changed, including Section 2 and Section 3. Section 2 applies nationwide and prohibits voting practices or procedures that discriminate on the basis of race, color, and the ability to speak English. Second section is enforced through federal lawsuits, just like other federal civil rights laws. The United States and civil rights organizations have brought many cases to enforce the guarantees of the Section 2 in court, and they may do so in the future. Section 3 of the Voting Rights Act also remains in place. Section 3 authorizes federal courts to impose preclearance requirements on states and political subdivisions that have enacted voting procedures that treat people differently based on the race in violation of the 14th and 15th Amendments. If a state or political subdivision is found by the federal courts to have treated people differently by race, based on race, then the court has discretion to retain supervisory jurisdiction and impose preclearance requirements on the state or political subdivision as the court sees fit until a future date at the court's discretion. This means that such a state and political subdivision would have to submit all future voting rule changes for approval to either the court itself or the Department of Justice before such rule changes could go into effect. As set out in the Code of Federal Reg Regulations under Section 3C of the Voting Rights Act, a court in voting rights litigation can order as relief that a jurisdiction not subject to the preclearance requirement of Section 5 preclear its voting changes by submitting them either to the court or to the Attorney General. Again, Section 3 procedures remain available today to those challenging voter rules, voting rules as discriminatory. Just a couple of years ago, for example, U.S. District Court Judge Lee Rosenthal issued an opinion in the redistricting case that required the city of Pasadena, Texas, to be monitored by the Justice Department because it had intentionally changed its city council districts to decrease Hispanic influence. The city, which the court ruled, had a long history of discriminatory and discrimination against minorities, was required to have their future voting rules changed, be anything changed or pre-cleared by the Department of Justice for the next six years during which the time the federal judge retains jurisdiction to review before enforcement any change to the electron map or plan that was in effect in Pasadena on December 1st, 2013. A change to the city's election plan can be enforced without review by the judge only if it is submitted by the, to the U.S. Attorney General and the Department of Justice and has not objected within 60 days. Voting rights are protected in this country, including my own state of Georgia, where Latino and African-American voter turnout has soared. Between 2014 and 2018, voter turnout increased by double digits, both for men and women in both of these communities. And we are committed to ensuring the ballot box is open to all eligible voters. We are committed to making sure constitutional means are used to accomplish that. We are committed to protecting the value of every American voice by securing our elections from fraud. These are our priorities and our principles. 
Full protection are afforded under the current federal law for all those with valid claims of discrimination in voting. Unfortunately, the bill before us today would turn those federal shields into, that protect voters into political weapons. This bill would essentially federalize state and local election laws when, they, when there is a, absolutely no evidence whatsoever that those states or localities engage in any discriminatory behavior when it comes to voting. The Supreme Court has made it clear that this type of federal control over state and local election is unconstitutional because Congress can only do that when there is proof of actual discrimination, which is what the bill is supposed to be about. House Democrats continue to, at this breakneck speed of everything else that we have going on, and now today a partisan bill comes to the floor to prevent states from running their own state and local elections when we are dealing with this very issue of impeachment and discussing elections at the same time. When can we stop and say what is best for the United States, what is best for our voters? So I'd urge my colleagues to join me in opposing H.R. 4, and I reserve the ballot. So that was a little bit of a weak sauce, right? If I was there, I'd be like, what are you doing? You want to take full control of everybody's elections. You've already done it once before when you wanted to flip a county. You want to have full control of who oversees uh, campaign financing so you can smuggle money in because President Trump has just annihilated your gravy train, your global gravy train, because this is global. It's not just the Democrats. It's the United Kingdom. It's Germany. It's France. It's Belgium. It's Ukraine. It's, 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 it's. And the gravy train has stopped. So this is what I would be saying. I'd be like, yo, what are you doing? You're, we're do, but he did mention, hey, we're doing all this during impeachment and we're talking about elections. Stop. Why are you changing the rules on elections, you know, a year away from less than a year away from elections? That means you're trying to steal it because you don't have a message. All you want is power and you are willing to do anything to maintain it. And that's the key here. I've been talking about this since last year about this voting rights act. Oh, and in that bill, they slipped in how people shouldn't have guns, right? The little red flag thing as elections come up. I kid you not. You need to read the whole bill and, and take a look at what things they're sneaking in. Uh, speaking of bills, uh, right after the break, we'll talk about some clauses that were snuck in just to kind of make it a little bit more interesting before we deep dive into the war that has just sparked in the Middle East. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. 
Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori, and let's just take a listen. I want to just touch a little bit about, um, you know, this whole impeachment thing and why they're panicking. I'm going to let you in on something that broke yesterday and kind of went under the radar. And we've all known that Pelosi, Schiff, all of them have great interest in import and export, right? Especially trucking and containers. So we'll get into that because it's actually taking a toll on Pelosi. Take a listen to this really coherent statements, the stream of statements that um, she made when someone asked the question, what will the checks be on President Trump if he's reelected? That is a, a nation, a model, a beacon of hope to the world. And he devalues that. So again, we don't agonize, we organize. And we do so in a way that, again, is unifying for a country. It is absolutely imperative. Civilization, as we know it today, is at stake in the next election, and certainly our planet. I uh, just came back. I was mentioning that I just came back from Spain. I was there for 48 hours for the climate uh, crisis, the COP25, which uh, 15, 14 of us, members of Congress, one of them a senator, Senator White House, a champion on climate issues. And what have we done? We've pulled out of the Paris Accord. We, uh, we went back to say we're still out as a, a nation, a model. Of be- uh, you know, it's funny how it was cut off, but she went back to say we're still in it when we're not. You are not the boss, Nancy. Congress. If anyone has abused their power, it's Congress. And if you listen, she says civilization as we know it is being destroyed across the planet. She said it. The planet. Yes, it is. It's your reality, your gravy train and your rule that is going, Nancy. That's what's happening. We're in charge. You're not. We govern. You do not govern. You are supposed to serve. And that is 
key. People keep forgetting that we do not, we are the governors, not them. And they're supposed to be doing what we say. So yesterday, I just wanted to say the Department of Justice announced that this uh, huge trucking company, Celadon, out of Indiana, with links to Pelosi, Schiff, Blumenthal, Romney, um, Biden, um, and in many ways, not just from the trucking part, but from the finance part. Okay. This is where it gets really weird. So this company, this trucking company, um, uh, self-proclaims itself as your ideal NAFTA partner when you want to move things across the border from Mexico and Canada. We're not in NAFTA anymore, so that's super odd that it's still up there. But what happened was in April of uh, 2019, a subsidiary of the bigger company that like sells trucks, does trucks, or whatever, uh, fudged or SEC violations, and they got an immense amount of money that they obfuscated, but they were losing a lot of money too. It was really bizarre, and so the guy pled guilty to that. Follow up a month later, they went to the headquarters and the CEO and CFO have been arrested and charged with wire fraud, with SEC, uh, false statements, defrauding the whole nine yards. Now, here's the thing. Guess what finance companies are involved? (laughs) Let's just say that one of the finance companies that refinanced to help them with the debt, and that is something that they were doing and they got caught doing are, uh, is, um, comprised of the founders of BlackRock investments. <laughs> oh, and, uh, you know, they work with the Ukraine too. I, I just, this is just, this is, and this is what I love. And the thing is, I'm so glad that the right people are listening to the Tory says show because Giuliani's in the Ukraine. And you remember how I told you that, um, late February or whatever, Early March, John Kerry and Joe Biden got a cut and some money sent to them from the Burisma owner because they bailed him out uh, from from his uh, money laundering suit in the United Kingdom. Well, we just found that Joe Biden got money. Joe, not Hunter. Joe got money. Joe got money, okay, (laughs) from Burisma. So it seems that this... uh, investigation that we have going on since 2018. And you know, what's funny? I told you about that investigation over a year ago. I told you in December of 2018, in one of my old articles, how the, how there's people in the Ukraine and how Christmas is going to be, I even put my little prediction. See, when I write my articles, my editor, first of all, huffs and puffs, (sighs) like so many words. And the reason I do it is because then in the future you can refer to it and see, Oh gosh, darn it. Kind of like I did with my FISA fix. I told you that the 302s were manufactured. I mean, I was tweeting about it. I was talking about it. I wrote about it and I told you, this is it. They were putting him in a box with fake documents. And then I also told you that people were in the Ukraine in 2018. It's, 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 Like, we need to be listening more objectively and saying, well, why are they there? Nobody asked that question. We're talking billions of dollars stolen at the expense of people. Remember, I said, this is the time that we see just how 
the globalists operate across the planet. And the thing is, Zelensky can be a superhero right now. Zelensky can be a superhero by coming out for his people. His people that have been put into billions, if not, well, trillions of debt because of corruption. And the worst part is, is that our former president and his buddies made bank at the expense of the Ukrainian citizens and the expense of the American citizens. I've said this. That's what sucks. And, you know, a lot of people would be like, oh, I don't want other countries to know that we had crooks running our country. And we've been doing this for decades to every single country. We're just evil. We're not evil. The people that were in office were evil. The mainstream media is evil. And today I'm going to demonstrate to you just how you think the mainstream media now is bad. They were bad in the seventies. They were bad in the eighties. They were bad in the nineties and the early two thousands. Nothing's changed since 1945 when the OSS was done. And then we created the CIA. They have been part of it. It's called propaganda. This has been happening. They are the mouthpiece for the nefarious portions of our intelligence community. And there are many people out there, there are former intelligence that have just had it. It's just a few of us. And there you go. And you know what? It doesn't take a lot. David and Goliath, David was tiny, took out Goliath. We don't need an army of millions to take out the nefarious actors. We need a handful of people with the knowledge to bring them to their knees. And I am glad that the right people listened about that Burisma payout back in late February when Igor Pasternak was in Ukraine. Giuliani was in the Ukraine. He found everything. So now I want to see how, nope, you were investigating Biden because he's your opponent. Really? So did he put his hat in the race in 2018 when we were investigating the money laundering and the extortion? Hmm? No, he didn't. Were we investigating? Was he a candidate in January of 2019? No. March? No. He threw his hat in the race April 25th. Everyone, everything happened before that. They're salty that he fired the U.S. ambassador, Yovanovitch, the most corrupt woman that was paying rent. She was paying the rent. She had prepaid the rent while she was Armenian, the Armenian ambassador for an apartment where ISIS lived in, in Georgia. Are you kidding? I mean, I didn't see Tef, the ambassador that we had in Russia, Make a big sink. I mean, he wrote, he wrote a salty article. But you know what? I would have been, you know, if I was the president, I would have been like, look, he got fired because there was a Russian national he knew was a spy. And that Russian national was working with Nelly Orr. And they were accessing our database. She got fired in August and so did he. That's why he got fired. Because the ambassador had spies that were working against America in his own embassy. That's why he got fired. What about Yovanovitch? You got fired because 
you took it upon yourself to say, I'm the ambassador and I'm the gatekeeper for the Department of Justice. You want to talk to someone at the Department of Justice? You come through me. I see if it's feasible and then I'll put you in touch. No, that's not how the how it works. The treaty huh, that was created in 1999 while Igor Pasternak was advising Clinton on all this stuff right? On how important it is that the U.S. extradite criminals back to Soviet Russia and the Ukraine to be held accountable for their crimes of turning people in, right? This is why they did it, is Justice Department and Justice Department. It nowhere says that Marie Ivanovich is going to stand in the middle of the Justice Department of the Ukraine and the Justice Department of the U.S. and be the gatekeeper, that is the bottom line. That is how it operates. That, for that matter, that's the argument that they need to make. Dude, she's not the gatekeeper. She's not allowed to do this. That's not protocol. Here's the treaty. She got fired. Period. You don't even have to talk about the fact that she was paying for apartments for ISIS, smuggling money, uh, altering Ukrainian elections, fiddling around with global elections, and, 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 and diverting aid where she's not supposed to, creating these little pockets, sitting down with Google and CrowdStrike. You know, we don't even have to get into that. We could just stick to the facts of the job requirements. You put your butt in the middle, hindering a treaty that has been longstanding for 20 years between two nations. You're fired. That is the argument we should have made. So sometimes I wonder, you know, these people that are in the House and in Congress, like, you know, in the House and the Senate and I said Congress, like, what are they thinking? Why don't they just focus on that? I'm not even a legal scholar. And I can see that. Yeah, down to the point that that's the point. That's the problem, right? So we need to look at the facts objectively and understand um, what is happening. So I am going to now um, play a clip. Okay. Now I just want you to listen to what's being said and then we'll talk about who said it and what was going on. And I want you to think just how similar this is to some people involved with this whole Russia collusion hoax and see, have a peek behind the window. Take a listen. <laughs> I, was, I was listening to you on the introduction and, and the, of course, the kinds of things that are happening. And it, it, look, you and I are both a little, a little bit older than the average listener that you've got today. So very few of them were really witting of what transpired in almost every single case of a special prosecutor and a Congress that believes that they can essentially impeach and remove a president. And back in the 1980s, uh, Right after Admiral Poindexter and I were reassigned back to the Pentagon, it was December, if I recall correctly, 19th, 1986. I mean, I, I can see your listeners going, wait a minute, that was a thousand years ago. Lawrence Walsh was appointed as an independent counsel to investigate the Iran-Contra affair. Walsh immediately made it known that he considered his job was to produce evidence leading to impeaching President Ronald Reagan. In the summer of 1987, seven months later, a special Iran-Contra bipartisan special committee was comprised of members of both parties, both houses of Congress, and they held open and closed hearings. Sound familiar? Yep. Right. 
Um, I mean, this is unreal. Many politicians and pundits concluded that these dual investigations would lead to President Reagan's impeachment and his removal from office because the House was controlled by Democrats throughout the entire Reagan-Bush administrations, all the way back to 1977 before Ronald Reagan was even elected. Mm -hmm. And despite the best efforts of all the House Democrats and the independent counsel, Walsh, so-called, I call him a special prosecutor, neither President Reagan nor President Bush were impeached. Here's why. Because the Democrats of the House were fearful of repeating what happened in the televised hearings in the summer of 1987 when a U.S. Navy admiral and a Marine lieutenant colonel devastated them with the facts, the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And their whole argument that President Reagan had committed impeachable um, impeachable offenses evaporated. Afterwards, and you and I remember this man, Henry Hyde, a lion of the House, even though he's in the minority for all those years, told me that Democrat members of the House Judiciary Committee, guess who's meeting today? Yesterday they had their first o open discussion of this thing, and today they're getting ready for the first open hearings of the Judiciary Committee. Henry Hyde said the Democrats leading the House Judiciary Committee were horrified at the prospect of Oliver North and Admiral Poindexter testifying again on national television. Because without any hubris in it, we had it in their butts. Mm -hmm. Okay. In the spring of 1988, Walsh said he could, he could take care of the problem. He was so disconcerted at the prospect of Reagan getting off the hook, he offered me, nobody's heard this before, not in my first book about this whole occasion, and, and you're getting to cover this story first. He offered me a deal. Walsh asked me to come to his office where he showed me, and you mentioned his name, Brendan Sullivan. Okay, so before I let you listen to Oliver North's deal, I want to tell you that there are many of us out there that have seen these deals, have been offered these deals, and we heard about these deals. I think it was from Jerome Corsi. So I want you to take a listen because when I tell you that corrupt individuals are creatures of comfort, that corrupt individuals act in the same manner always, okay, that it is fact. I'm not just saying it. Because what you're going to hear You've heard before in another way. Behind closed doors and in a skiff, this is what happens. And you know what? In the skiff, we need to see those documents. How much do you want to make a bet that a fly on the wall? Because you know, there are drones that are flies. You do know that, right? There are ways to bypass security features because we have technology way beyond. And if you want to take it down that rabbit hole, we've got technology that would blow your mind. So let's think, how much do you want to make a bet that a lot of this happened in shift skiff? Why? Because there were no witnesses. They were wiretapping. And this is all coming out. I told you the IG right now of the NSA was offered a job by the Ukrainian government right before President Trump was told to nominate him. The NSA has been working with AT&T to take everyone's records during the Obama regime. Why? Snowden told you that. Why? 
Did they think that something was happening? They were working with AT&T after 9-11. You think it was because they were worried about terrorism? No. They were worried about people talking. The BCCI coming out. The fact that they funded most of these terrorists, they funded the owners of things. They, 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 they wanted to make sure that they could get ahead of what you know. And this is why they fell right into the trap. Because again, you don't need to be like me who can see through looking glasses to know and time travel to know what they did. You only have to see their bag of tricks that's been repeated throughout the centuries. Listen to what he tells you now. Sullivan, a lengthy indictment that he'd prepared against me. 23 counts. And then he said, this won't happen if you'll sign this under oath. And he handed me the draft of a statement in which I would accuse President Reagan of lying in his deposition to the special prosecutor. I asked him if I could think about it overnight. And he said, yes, certainly. As long as you promise, make no copies and not divulge it to anybody that this is a deal. And, of course, I did exactly what I said. I took it back and agreed I'd return the following morning with an answer. We went back to the skiff, and I, without getting into things like divulging what my, my lawyer had told me, I ran the document through a brand new shredder that turns pieces of paper into tiny little pieces of confetti, put the confetti into a plastic bag, and the next day returned to Walsh's office and handed him the plastic bag and dumped it out on the table. Wow. The following day, he indicted me. He indicted me with all 23 counts. Nearly four years later, the D.C. Court of Appeals ruled I had been improperly tried, it went all the way to the Supreme Court. They refused to reverse the Court of Appeals, and the three counts that were remaining against me after the trial were dismissed by the trial judge, and not one person was jailed for criminal acts con- con- connected in any way to Iran-Contra. Now, think about what that means. They spent over $45 million. Had f- Did you hear that? $45 million, and I'll have more of this in my article because, you know, I know this Iran-Contra stuff has to do with the cocaine, has to do with the Clinton. See, Bush is a species of people that ran everything. But what he did was he got greedy and got his son really rich in the Middle East, and that was a problem. And he refused to relinquish control to the Clintons. This is how it happened, because Bush was part of the whole mina, 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 mina. Everything's happening in Arkansas, isn't it? (laughs) So he refused, so they were even trying to get Bush because he was reluctant to give it over to Hillary Clinton. Because, <laughs> you know, just like everything, ruling family bloodlines don't like to, you know, concede. Kind of like the Spanish, the Kingdom of Spain, the Kingdom of England, the Kingdom of Denmark. They all want to feel like they have equal footing, but each and every one of them think they're smarter than other people. Oh, and I just wanted to reiterate... 
just a fun tidbit that I totally forgot to tell you. Remember how I told you earlier about this trucking company and whatnot, and it's down to the finance company that links to Biden? Here's the really fun fact. One of the managing directors, well, no, he's the president and chief executive chairman of this finance company. His wife used to be the ambassador, the U.S. ambassador for Monaco. And then Biden swore her in as U.S. ambassador to France in 2014. I just thought I'd throw in that tidbit. Just just a little bit, you know, BlackRock founders, just saying. So anyway, going back to this, I just wanted to tell you that just so that you see how well connected all these people are. And like I said, it's only a group of losers. They're a bunch of losers, really big fat losers that think that they're smarter than everyone. They look down at you. You're nothing but a commodity. They're more important. They turn their noses up to you. And they smile with saying, yes, yes, look at me. Look, I'm smiling. Look, I'm telling you what you want to hear. Look, I'm talking about this. Look, I'm telling you this. Look, let me mesmerize you. And then the media jumps on it and thumps on it. And then they mesmerize you even more to the point that you are just a sheep. I mean, there is going to be a time because I'm seeing it where people are going to come out and say, come on, man, are we falling for this again? They've done this before. Are we that stupid? No. But Hillary Clinton herself said it when she was running for president in 2008. People forget. Yes, they do. And you know who helps them forget? The media. Because we're not people to them. We're sheeple. And it's time we break out our tomatoes and don't even let them walk down the street without heckling them. Because this is what they do. They go after all the people, all the groups, all the independent individuals and private citizens that call them out. They will destroy you if you speak. But let's see. If I'm just by myself talking, I'm going to get annihilated. But if it's me and an army of people, mm, it's really hard for you to break me down. It's really hard for you to shut me up. It's really hard for you to shut us all up. And this is why I say we must be together where one of us goes. We all have to go. So if we're all going in the direction of saving our nation and saying, all right, you're right. Our previous administrations have totally messed up the whole world. We created this facade of a climate change so we can have people pay more money so we can be richer. So this gap gets bigger. And that way we can enslave every man, woman, and child on this planet with your consent. And we did this. We get it. Our previous presidents all complied. Our previous administrations all did this. Our intelligence community did it, but we didn't do it. We, the people, the 400 million people within these borders that are not in Congress right now, that are not in the Senate right now, we were duped. Everybody was duped. Come on, France. Come on, Ukraine. You guys were duped too. Let's all work together and remove them and gut them. That is what we have to do. That is the ideal to do. And now we are seeing that the unity in the European Union has fractured in the next hour. You're going to see the war that I was talking about kicking off with Turkey just came to fruition. And we have to thank Kevin Kramer for blocking that bill. Because war would have been now. We would have had bombers heading out of Minot straight into Europe. I'll see you all after this break. Well, we'll break that down.
Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Big tech social media companies have made it their goal to censor and ultimately shut down conservative voices as a way to control political dialogue ahead of the 2020 elections. Few things are more un-American than censorship, yet now, more than ever, we see glaring examples of it daily. Conservative accounts suspended or banned for innocuous postings, while liberal accounts with far more egregious content continue to operate freely and unencumbered. As someone banned on nearly every single social media platform, with even Chase Bank temporarily shutting down online access to my bank account, I understand the dangers of this far better than most. We cannot allow big tech social media companies to continue acting as liberal publishers free from oversight and regulation. Tech companies have used censorship not only as a way to silence those who they disagree with politically, but also as a way to incite violence against conservatives. While conservatives are banned and shut down, terrorist organizations like Hamas and Antifa, criminals and even human traffickers are freely using social media to communicate. Americans deserve a fair and transparent playing field from big tech. And when in Congress, holding these companies and their executives accountable will be a top priority of mine. Go to lauralumerforcongress.com to donate today. I want to thank each and every one of my listeners. Almost a year, no, exactly a year and four weeks ago, I started this radio show. I didn't know that the need, well, I did, but I really didn't know that there was such a great need uh, for news to come through unfiltered both domestic and global. I'm glad that I am filling a need. I mean, that is what inventions are about. Um, And I haven't invented anything. I've stuck to the wheel. The wheel is something that you can't reinvent. And news shouldn't be reinvented because then they're no longer news. I'd like to thank all of you for all your support because I couldn't have done it without you. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says. For the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, Unfiltered news. Real news. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. This is the second hour of the Tory Says Show, always here on Red State Talk Radio, Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 Eastern Time. I like to upload my live shows, um, and you can stream me on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, uh, iTunes, and uh, you know, indulge yourself. And I and I encourage you to kind of 
take a trip back in time and look at where we were a day in <laughs> a day in history. So you can see how the past proves the future every time. Now, I before I get into this war that no one's talking about, I want to say something on that shooting. So it's always a shooting at the base. It's always, now we're having it naval bases, two very specific naval bases. Uh, the news reports are coming out. Oh, it's a Saudi aviation student. Let me tell you so how many times have I said, why are we hiring people that do not believe in what America is supposed to be standing for? Look at Vindman. He was a migrant, a Soviet sympathizer that loathed the United States of America and made it clear to everyone he served with. And yet he wore a uniform. So now we have a Saudi national that was an aviation student. You mean he was training with the U.S. military uh, because we let them train with us. I'm telling you, I, I was on Facebook chit-chatting with my, with my shipmate. Um, and he was telling me, yeah, I remember the bunch of Saudis and, you know, and um, Kuwaitis that were training with me when I was in uh, at the Naval Air Station back in the 90s. Dude, I remember that too. I remember them in Fort Huachuca. I remember them at the Defense Language Institute. I remember them at Langley. So let me tell you something, right? It's our fault. How are we hiring? What did, uh, we're supposed to be hiring American. And right now, in 2019, there is no excuse for rubbish like that. No excuse. With artificial intelligence profiles running rampant, when you do your background check, you can see who would give their left arm for this nation and who would sell it out in a heartbeat. I don't care how fat their bank account is. Economics do not depict the loyalty of a person. There are people out there that don't have a penny to their name that would gladly go to the front line and fight for their country. And whereas there's people with big fat bank accounts and their only job is to do what? Make it fatter. So they would sell their country out in a heartbeat or they may have such ingrown detest for what America stands for, for what America did to their people once upon a time that you can't just pry that out if they were raised like that, period. So instead of me going to Al Jazeera and all these other channels um, to tell you how the Libyan ambassador was given 72 hours to leave Greece, I'm going to have you listen to the announcement um, by uh, Greece's representative. It's in Greek, so I'll pause and interpret for you. Με λύπη μου, σας ανακοινώνω ότι κατά συνέπεια των ανωτέρων With great sadness, I have to announce to you that with all these things that have happened, Σήμερα το πρωί, ο Λίβιος Πρέσβης στην Αθήνα κλήθηκε. This morning, uh, in Athens, a Libyan ambassador has been uh, served. Και στο Υπουργείο, όπου ενημερώθηκε για την απόφαση απέλασής του. Του εδόθη. Uh, he was served uh, to present himself at the Justice Department, and he was uh, given uh, the order that he is to be expelled from Greece. He has 72 hours. He has 72 hours to leave our, our country. Ως προς αυτό, θα ήθελα να σας διευκρινίσω τα εξής. Η απόφαση απέλασης 
είναι έκφραση δυσαρέσκειας της ελληνικής κυβέρνησης προς την κυβέρνηση της Τρίπολης. Ελήφθη... Okay. So here's what you need to listen to. This is key. He said the expulsion is to demonstrate our detest, that was very specific, of the Greek government toward the government of Tripoli. That was very specific. It's not toward the government of Libya. It's toward the government of Tripoli. Why? Remember how I told you that Tripoli, that little place, that one city, it's kind of like saying the city of, um, of Boston. <laughs> the city of Boston is supposedly by the UN the only Libya. The rest of Libya is at war with the city of Boston, right? So picture the United States at war with the city of Boston. But the city of Boston is protected by the UN and guess who else? Turkey. So he said specifically, not Libya, he said the government of Tripoli, which is completely separate from Libya. Αφού η λιβική πλευρά δεν ανταποκρίθηκε στους όρους τους οποίους είχαμε θέσει. And that's because they didn't comply with the terms and conditions we placed on them. Okay. So now that you heard that, I want to, you know, backtrack to the European Commission headquarters. I want you to listen to what the EU had to say about Turkey. A deal with Libya, a memorandum of understanding concerning the future regulation of exclusive economic zones and the uh, maritime waters and um, other issues that allegedly uh, are violating the uh, existing rights of the Republic of Cyprus and Greece. So is that the case, and what do we have to say about it? Thanks. I am not aware of those discussions. Um, Peter, yes. Did you hear that? So the EU commissioner has no idea, okay, first of all, of any such discussions that Greece has put their foot down, Israel has put their foot down, Cyprus has put their foot down, Syria has put their foot down, Egypt has put their foot down and said, Turkey should not be taking over the Tripoli area because now they have expanded their war zone. What is going on? Oh, I was not aware of those discussions. He's not aware of them, but I am here because we reported about it months ago, weeks ago. And just the other day, we were talking about how Egypt was like, uh, Turkey, you better back down because I'm super not happy that you're patrolling my waters, pretending to be Libyan. Okay, thank you for this question. Maybe at this stage a little bit more general, and then if you have follow-up questions, we are happy to go um, back to you more bilaterally. But on, on the general essence of your question, you know that EU has repeatedly stressed to Turkey that uh, Turkey has to respect the international law and also good neighborly relations with uh, the countries around it and has to avoid any kind of threats or actions that would damage good neighborly relations and the peaceful settlements of disputes, whatever these disputes are. And uh, I can only recall most recently, um, on 15th July this year, the Council has made clear its position that delimitations of the exclusive economic zones and continental shelf should be addressed through dialogue and negotiations in good faith. And in full respect of international law, which is very important and which we repeated several times, and also in accordance with the principle of good neighborly relations. So, so much at this stage on this issue. Thank you. Follow up? 
Well, as you say, it should be through dialogue that they should uh, resolve the uh, cell crash issue. And I, if I remember correctly, um, back in 2003, there was a procedure that started, and it was dropped in December of 2004, and they didn't go to uh, the Hague court, because uh, that was the case, to uh, bilaterally uh, resolve the issue of the uh, cell waters. So what do you propose that they should do now? In my personal memory doesn't go. Let me um, let me just reiterate. So back in 2003, Turkey tried this stunt, right, in 2003. And so what Greece did, since they were a new member state and not, like, fully embedded yet, they appealed to the European courts. By 2004, Greece was completely in the EU, so they dropped the case. It didn't go to international Hague court. It didn't go to European court. They dropped the case. So what would be the strategy now? Because remember, we talked about this November 2018, how they were invading waters and drilling and patrolling when they're not supposed to. It's like, you know— um, we don't have much of a neighboring. Let's pretend Mexico is starting to send their naval ships into the Gulf of Mexico, right? And they're patrolling. And then they go onto the continental shelf, uh, you know, by Mexico and start drilling for oil, uh, by, by Texas and start drilling for oil. And Texas, like, what are you doing, man? That, that, that's like mine, right? That's mine. You can't take my oil. Yeah. What are you going to do to stop me? And then you have Washington saying, oh, you guys just need to talk out. We need to be very fair. And this is going on for a year. So Mexico sends another boat and it's like sitting in the Gulf of Mexico, drilling, drilling, drilling. And then it decides, oh, Canada needs help. So now I'm going to be patrolling Canadian waters around you, United States. I'm going to circle you completely and all other nations. And I'm just going to be patrolling freely because the UN said I can. I'm their foster army. This is what's happening. Legit what's happening. As far back as 2003, 2004, the institutional memory does. So we will, uh, we will, as I said, come to you bilaterally on this one. But again, generally, whatever disputes there are, what we need to focus on is to respect the international law, good neighborly relations, and solve all the issues which are tricky or which are disputable in dialogue and negotiations. In the meantime, I just want you to listen to what's going on in Benghazi. So basically, they're stomping on a Turkish flag, and Benghazi residents are protesting the Turkish intervention in Libya. So Benghazi is part of Libya. It's th the rest of the nation, aside from that area of Tripoli, you know, the rest of the nation. So picture all of the United States, except for the city of Boston, right? That's how I want you to envision it. So the rest of the United States, except for the city of Boston, right? is upset that Boston is letting China invade America. That's basically how you I want you to envision it. This is exactly what happened. We have all the Libyans protesting Turkish intervention in Libya. They're burning their flags, stepping on their flags. Just take a listen. <laughs> This 
they're cheering on uh, General Khalifa, who is the leader of the Libyan National Army, um, which is the Libyan army and the Libyan government, too. And, you know, the, previously the guy was saying, we don't want Turkey. They're terrorism. They're this. They're aggressive. They're jihadis. They're everything. Like, we don't want them in our business. We're done. We're independent. We don't need them. And they are protesting like this is this has been happening though see this has been happening in Benghazi for over a year what I'm playing to you has happened before and here is where the Greek foreign minister is holding talks on the Turkey Libya pact um, I wonder if it's in English let's take a listen if it's not I'll, I'll interpret Oh, that is the meeting that they had at the Libyan embassy where they kicked him out. Wow. Okay, I just noticed that. AP and their stupid 20-second videos. So that is a very big deal, you guys. They're expelling them. Listen to Al Jazeera, who's funded by Qatar, how angry they are. Take a listen. ...this week as part of efforts to win support in the region over this dispute. It's all to do with the island of Cyprus, which has been divided since 1974 into the Turkish... Okay, not divided, invaded since 1974. ...speaking north and the Greek Cypriot, Greek-speaking south. Turkey has been drilling for oil and gas off the coast of Cyprus, which has resulted in sanctions from the European Union. Now, the EU says Turkey is infringing on Cypriot sovereignty, while Ankara maintains it doesn't recognize Cyprus as a state. Meanwhile, Greece is pushing to lead a regional gas market, cooperating with both Egypt and Cyprus. Let's talk now to F. Themis Chiliopoulos in Athens. He's an analyst at the Greek defense news website, defensepoint.gr. Mr. Chiliopoulos, welcome to the news hour here on Al Jazeera. It sounds like somebody's breaking international law. Who is breaking international law? Well, the UNCLOS, the, the United Nations Convention of the Sea, um, specifically states that islands do have an exclusive economic zone, and uh, especially island states. The way Turkey sees it, uh, it chooses to interpret, to make up its own version of what it believes to be uh, the law of the sea, uh, a version uh, non-corroborated by any uh, international forum or fora, uh, on which islands do not have such exclusive economic zones. They do not have a continental shelf. Um, and this poses quite a few problems. A whole state like uh, Cyprus does not have an economic uh, exclusive economic zone. Um, uh, surmising from this, then Sicily does not have one. Um, Hawaii doesn't have Sardinia one. Sardinia does not have one. And maybe Great Britain does not have one. Uh, how Turkey interprets this is beyond us. Uh, besides which, uh, it is not a signatory of the Law of the Sea uh, Convention of the United Nations. I just wanted to say something on this. Just listen carefully. They're not a signatory of the United Nations, but they said something key. They do not recognize Cyprus as a legitimate state, right? Cyprus, like I told you, was like the island where the Greeks would send their prisoners, kind of like the British would send them to Australia. It was always part of Greece. They demanded their independence, kind of like Australia did from the United Kingdom. Same, same thing here.
from the Greek kingdom. The Cypriots demanded their liberation and they got it because they were influenced by the United Kingdom and they actually have pounds as money because the crown came in and told the Cypriots, oh, you want to break free from Greece. You're not Greek. You're independent. You know, you think that Soros funding uprising and things happens now. There were tons of Soros's back then, too. Just so you know. Again, same bag of tricks, same repeat. But here what we have is them saying that this is not a recognizable state. Do you know how many countries around the world don't um, uh, see Israel as a state? Which means that when their mind, they can invade Israel because they're not really a state and it's not theirs. So tell me, who defines your borders? Is it a bunch of other countries? Is it your own country? You know, I'm just going to take it on that perspective. Who defines your borders? It is the people within your borders that define your borders, right? So it should be the people of Cyprus that define their borders, who they belong to, etc. Correct? Well, that's not the case in, in the case of Cyprus. They were invaded and Cyprus said, you don't know any better and I'm taking over it. Take it or leave it. And they took the top northern part of it. I've been there. I've crossed that border. My passport had to be stamped. It's derelict. I've been there myself. I, I literally just crossed the border and walked in there and then had to cross back. And even though the guard saw me enter, saw me walking, saw me taking pictures and saw me walk back. And I was a kid then the first time I went, he still searched me, <laughs> even though I was in <laughs> open terrain. So I'm just going to say these people. Do not listen. I've told you, Turkey is a threat. And so what Kevin Kramer did, which we're going to talk about, was very, very important because of these escalations. Let's just listen to what else he has to say and what the Qatari government has to say. So somebody someplace clearly wants to make money out of this or they are making money out of this. Who is it within this triangular relationship who's stopping that profit margin money going back to Cyprus and is taking it elsewhere? Well, Cyprus has uh, delineated some of its plots, uh, especially on the southern uh, side of the island, um, and has uh, handed it over to a consortia of multinationals for exploitation. Um, Turkey sees this as an opportunity to get its share of what it believes to be the wealth of the eastern Mediterranean, irrespective of national rights of other peoples, um, and irrespective of its neighbors. Okay, here's a tidbit. Did you hear that part? Okay, so in the southern part of the island, right, which is supposedly Cyprus's part that's not invaded, they have rented out that water to multinational consortias, um, might I say, hey, Biden, uh, I don't know if any of your staffers are listening to this, but I think I should drop this. But um, you want to know what he's been doing in Cyprus, too, with oil? How much you want to make a bet? We got Ukrainian companies in that consortia. I just thought I'd mention it because, huh? you know, the guy that said that Giuliani was doing wrongdoings in the Ukraine. Do you know what kind of passport he has? Do you know which ones? He has a Ukrainian passport, a Russian passport, and a Cypriot passport. You should revisit that article where I 
highlighted the word Cypriot passport. This is where it comes into play. See, like I said, if you stand back on the moon, you can see all the big players. They stick out like sore thumbs and the connections are so evident. They're not even that intricate. They're not even that intricate. So now the globalists have entered that area and just listen, Turkey goes in there starting it up. What happens when they go into that area? These multinational consortias are like, yo, what are you doing? This is my oil. They lent it to me. I paid Cyprus for it. Yeah, so Cyprus isn't really a state, so let's duke it out in the courts. And you could tell the courts um, how you paid a state that I don't recognize. It's mine. Now, Turkey, as we know, has been hoarding gold, right? They've been importing it from Venezuela uh, gold and nuclear energy has been funneled. This is how Iran stayed afloat. This is why, you know, Turkey refused to turn its back on Iran when sanctions were put because commodities don't go through banks. They go through hands. And so oil is a commodity as well. They don't go through banks. They go through hands. And so here is where everything just kind of blows up. And you know what the Europeans and the Democrats think? Gosh, darn it. If Trump is really working with Turkey to expose the theft of these nations and corporate organizations that have taken over governments, we're screwed. We don't know how we're going to cover this up because, you know, we can't just blow Turkey out of the water. They're the second largest army. And if Turkey is imposing themselves in these waters, what if they're working with President Trump? to exploit that so they can push and pull and exploit it. I mean, this is a thought. I'm just saying that they could be doing it so that way more Burisma stuff come out. More of these oligarchs pop up, you know, like the oligarch that flipped, supposedly, supposedly flipped and lied and said, oh, yeah, you know, Giuliani, blah, 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 blah. And Parnas, blah, blah. He's the one that talked about Parnas. Well, that oligarch with the Cypriot passport came to the United States, even though he was barred entry by Barack Hussein Obama in 2015. His family actually have 10-year resident alien cards. I'm really hoping that Homeland Security and ICE are on top of that, right? Now, let's listen to the rest of this uh, short conversation. So Turkey is seeking, to, through a maximalist uh, strategy, to press uh, into handing over some of these reserves uh, if possible, through negotiations and through a blackmail of a use of force. Blackmail, use of force. You see how that goes? Okay, blackmail, that's, that's a strong word. That's a claim that you're putting out there. It's Ring fence that for anyone who's listening quite closely to what you're saying. But if we, if we look at the immediate history or the, the generational history of Cyprus, 1974, Turkey invades, we get that. You've got Turkish Cyprus to the north, you've got Greek Cyprus to the south. We can understand why they don't like each other. That's a given, I guess, when it comes to making money from oil and gas. But where does the Libyan component come in and why are the Egyptians getting involved in this? Oh, let's talk. Well, Egypt has a good relationship with uh, Cyprus and Greece and has a terrible relationship with Turkey, whom it sees as being um, behind all sorts of problems for the Egyptian state. Um, now, as you mentioned, uh, and I must uh, 
refuse to, to accept this. Uh, Cyprus is only one nation. It's one nation uh, recognized by the United Nations. It has a seat on the United Nations. The Turkish occupied uh, north part of the island is maintained by the use of force, by the presence of 30,000 occupation troops there, by uh, using ethnic uh, 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 changing the ethnic makeup of, the, of uh, Turkish Cypriots by uh, importing foreign, well, Turkic-speaking, but non-island natives to, the, to that region. And uh, it has set up a puppet state, which only it recognizes. So did you see how the Qataris were like, well, why are the Egyptians getting involved? And um, he did a pretty good job by saying, listen, you know, the Mediterranean, they've always had good relations because they've got thousands of years of history together. Right, guys? Okay. Remember how President Trump said we're not going to get into these blood, blood wars, right? So that is where, and I'm going to like push through these commercials. Um, that is where um, the answer lies. He just said he went to say ethnic cleansing, and that is exactly what they did. They massacred every single Cypriot that was on the northern end. And whatever remaining Cypriots were compliant and pled their loyalty to the Turkish government in order to keep their land because there's so many houses abandoned, you know, um, are pretty much going extinct. They have 30,000 troops in an area the size of, um, let's see, I would say the size of... Um, Iowa, maybe, in square footage? Nah, no, it's less than that. Um, it's less than Iowa. Let's say, um, Ohio, no, less than Ohio, too. Well, let's just say it's a small state size. Okay, let's put it that way. So 30,000 troops for just one state, like, in there, right? Just think of a small, medium-sized state. And um, they're importing people from Turkey's mainland in there. Now you're going to say, well, Tori, how does this tie in with the Armenian genocide? Well, I want you to listen to this report on um, Kevin Kramer, who blocked the American resolution on the uh, genocide, on the Your Armenian government. genocide. It's really important that you listen to this whole thing, and I will parse it out for you, because it plays a very important role in what's going on right now in the eastern Mediterranean. Turkey has funded lobbyists willing to trumpet lies and make excuses for these atrocities. The Turkish government and its sympathizers have advocated for restrictive laws on expression and against legislation that recognizes the Armenian genocide. They will stop at nothing to bury the truth. And I hope the individual senators will not once again fall for it. I don't think there's a single member of the United States Senate who doesn't have serious concerns about Turkey's behavior, both historically and currently. Uh, in fact, I support the spirit of this resolution. I suspect uh, 99 of my colleagues do. And at the right time, we may pass it, as Senator Cruz has said, stated. However, I don't think this is the right time. If there is a right time, this certainly isn't it. And, and largely because just hours ago, our president returned from London, the NATO summit with NATO leaders, where this was a topic of discussion with the leadership from Turkey, this being being uh, the genocide resolution as well as, uh, or the acknowledgement of genocide as well as the purchase of the S-400. And I, I want to have a clear readout of the president's interaction and discussion with uh, President Erdogan and our delegation's negotiations with Turkey before adopting this resolution. I don't think we can take the risk. Once again, this is the third time that a Republican senator has come to the floor to object to the genocide resolution, the recognition of the genocide resolution. 
Okay, guys, listen. We all know there was a genocide. They did it in Cyprus, too. They did it in Greece, too. They did it in Georgia, too. They do, they've done it everywhere, okay? The Spanish Inquisition because of genocide, right? You know, and then they, they flipped it on him and on, on, you know, the sultans and did it themselves, too. But this genocide is the way they work. They're, you're, you're scum if you're not part of the Muslim Brotherhood, period. You either adhere to the Turkish rule or you're done. This is the type of people that we're up against. This is who Turkey is. Ruthless. But they do realize that they not they are not a power. They do realize that they have to, you know, concede to things. Who put this bill up, guys? Ask yourself. Who proposed the Armenian genocide bill after President Trump met with Erdogan? Who proposed it? That's right. Adam Schiff. Why? Because what Turkey is doing, remember, your enemies can be your best allies. What Turkey is doing in the Eastern Mediterranean is satisfying us. We're letting them do their own thing and think that we're like, yo, yeah, what's up? You're so cool. Yeah, we're totally buddies. When they've gotten missiles from other people, when they're invading territories, and now they've stirred an uproar in the Middle East, and we already knew because I go through there. I have that rabbit hole, and I told you Long, long time ago, the war is going to start with Turkey. I've said it. And it's going to be Russia coming in from the north to take them out. I said it. I said it. I said it. So I'm not here to tell you I told you so. I'm trying to tell you this is coming. Here it is. It's at your doorstep. And our Democrats are trying to push it to make it faster so that we can have war. Now they're trying to push as we need to sign this bill with Armenian genocide. Guess what happens when you sign that bill? What happens is, is that NATO excludes them. What happens is we push Turkey into the arms of China. China can't stand us right now. China is really pissed off at us right now. And we're trying to get trade because they've got 20% of the world's population within their borders. That's a lot of money. China and the EU don't see eye to eye. That trade's going to stop real quick the minute Turkey's out of NATO. But you know what? They want Turkey to be kicked out of NATO because if we sign the Armenian genocide, according to the rules and regulations of NATO, they're out because it is a majority signature. And you didn't see the writing on the wall. It was just a few months ago that France signed it, which has certain percentage weight into NATO. And then another European nation signed it, certain weight into NATO. Guys, they're doing it all you know, step by step, but there's so many of us like time traveling Tori can tell you exactly how it is. That timeline has now converged today with the expulsion of the Libyan ambassador. Well, the Tripoli ambassador, not really Libyan, is he? And so this is where it comes down to it. Kramer blocking the bill did an extraordinary feat. Yes, there's a genocide, but there is no point, like he said, in signing it now. Based on the conversations, the president, no point in blocking it now. And you know, instead they're going to be like, Hey, King Kardashian, why don't you chime in? Because she knows what's going on in the background. She knows the war. No, she doesn't. She has no idea about your money filled blimps and your theft. How did Obama go from president to a hundred million dollars buying estates? Rubbish. Money laundering. Our national debt, I guarantee you, is most likely what? the money they stole from us and made themselves rich. Listen to the rest of this. And uh, there's never a good time. There's never a good time 
In my view, there's always the right time, however, to recognize genocide as genocide. My colleague from North Dakota actually sponsored HRES 220, the Armenian Genocide Resolution, affirming, quote, the proper commemoration and consistent condemnation of the Armenian genocide will strengthen our international standing in preventing modern-day genocides when he was a member of the House of Representatives. It, he was right then. He was right then. And the time was right then. And the time is right now. Uh, 20 years they've had to sign this. 20 years the Democrats have blocked this. 20 years they've had to move on this. And now all of a sudden all the Western nations want to sign it. Come on, guys. Wake up. You're people, not sheeple. You know, President Erdogan was here in the United States a couple of weeks ago. There is a meeting at the White House. A few of my colleagues had the privilege of uh, joining the president, expressing their discontent. Erdogan was given options, a way out of the dilemma that Turkey has put themselves in with the S-400. Basically, they were told either return it to Russia, destroy it in our presence, and or give it to us, which, of course, Russia will never allow that to happen for us to have their technology. There was a deadline. It was yesterday. I waited to today to make sure that, in fact, we wouldn't intercede in any way with the possibility. But Turkey, in the interim, while this is going on, they used the S-400 to fire at an F-16 to see if they could take it down. Really? Really? So this premise that there was a meeting in NATO, well, there was a meeting in Washington, and there was a meeting in NATO. They still haven't done anything on the S-400. They still haven't exercised any of the options that have been given to them. So I just want my colleagues to know that I intend to come once a week to the Senate floor, and all those who want to be listed on the wrong side of history, they have the option of doing so. I'm not going to cease until we do what is morally and principally right. And that has recognized the Armenian genocide as a host of other nations have done as well. Oh, come on, Bob Menendez, you creep, you crook, telling us that now suddenly you've grown a spine and you wanted to sign it. B.S. They want to sign it because Schiff said sign it. They want to sign it because this is how you push for it. Mm. And here we have Kevin Kramer on CNN saying President Trump, the White House, that is, asked him to block the Armenian genocide. CNN reported that. And so I want to play that clip for you, too, before we get into what is really going on in Libya like this. This is getting super extreme. Take a listen. This morning that the president is now ordering most of the remaining U.S. forces in Syria to withdraw uh, because the situation in the, in the border area has gotten so dangerous uh, after he ordered that smaller withdrawal earlier uh, this week. Um, mm -hmm. You're on the Senate Armed Services Committee. Were you informed yeah. of this? Did you, were you briefed about it? No, I was not. No, we were briefed again, you know, after the, the last withdrawal announcement and received more information. I felt at that time more comfortable than I did prior to the briefing. I, I hope that I feel better after I get briefed 
this now this week when we return to Washington and uh, and learn more of the details. Because while there's a withdrawal, what I'd like to know is a withdrawal to where. As you know, we have several bases in the region. Uh, you know, we, even though we mm -hmm. go a little ways, we don't necessarily go far. Uh, what are what you know? What is the strategy? Should we need to re-engage. I am pleased that the president has put up, uh, I think it was yesterday, $50 million for humanitarian assistance, stabilization funds, if you will. I also think the president's doing the right thing in, once again, demanding more from our European allies in this situation in Syria, because the last thing we need is, of course, for a re-emergence or a re, you know, reorganization of a ISIS caliphate in, in the area. And uh, we, we need to you know, we need to watch it. It is complicated. There's lots of factors, but uh, I'm looking forward to being briefed and hopefully comforted. Sir, with all, with all due respect, I mean, if you're worried about the ISIS caliphate, I mean, nobody has, no group has uh, sacrificed more to fight ISIS uh, than, right. the, than America's Kurdish allies. And there are reports that ISIS prisoners are now able to escape uh, because of this decision uh, by President Trump. I mean, I understand the idea of wanting to avoid endless wars, but this decision by President Trump to withdraw the U.S. special forces from the region, I mean, this has created a war now. I mean, it was much calmer two weeks ago than it is today. Well, it didn't create the war. The war has been going on for a very long time. And Talk about the current military action. Suggest that the president created well, sure, but every day you make decisions that have an effect for that day. The, the, this conflict between the Kurds and the Turks has been going on for decades, if not centuries, and so we're not going to solve it by staying there forever, and I think that's the issue. What is in America's best interest? And and I think the president is, well, again, yeah. to be clear, I support the Kurds, and, and but I also don't want to oversimplify it and make it a binary decision, which at this point, if you're against Donald Trump, that would be 100% of Democrats. You know, you're going to take the opposite position of his, and some, some Republicans the same. There are a lot of thoughtful Republicans uh, and Democrats, I think, that, that are considering all the aspects of this, and I think we need to. But, yes, the, nobody's been more faithful than the Kurds, particularly with the, mm -hmm. the war on ISIS, and and holding the, the, the ISIS fighters. And therein lies, in my view, I think the, the other right. problem, and that is, what about our European allies? When are they going to step up? When, why aren't they taking, for example, the ISIS fighters that come from their countries? The president's right to push that issue, and this may be the only way that he can. Sadly, but with confidence and humility, with allegiance to our founders, and a heart full of love for America, today I am asking our chairman to proceed with articles of impeachment. I commend our committee chairs and our members for their somber approach to actions which I wish the president. Okay, so they cut that out just now. It was there. CNN uploaded, reviewed it, even though it's only had 12 views. CNN 24 hours just changed it, where he said the White House asked me to stay on that. Uh, so that was pretty interesting that they removed that. I wonder why they did. I want you guys to listen to what the Libyan National Army had to say about Turkey. So we talked about the Libyans being expelled from Greece. We talked about how Egypt is upset with Turkey. Syria, upset with Turkey. Russia, upset with Turkey, right? Cyprus, Greece, upset with Turkey. Libya, upset with Turkey. But listen to what the Libyan National Army, not the Tripoli Army, the Libyan National Army had to say. The Libyan National Army Forces is now considering all Turkish airplanes and vessels hostile targets. Even small boats approaching these vessels in the Mediterranean will be hit immediately, according to LNA spokesman Ahmed al-Mismari announcement on Friday. Turkey is a strong ally to the UN-recognized government in Tripoli. 
Forces allied to that government have managed to push away the LNA forces from Ghirian city. It's been a big blow to Khalifa Haftar. Wait, let me tell you who the allies are. The UN, Qatar, and Turkey. The U.S. does not recognize the Tripoli government. I'm going to restate that. The only countries that recognize Tripoli government as the Libyan government is the UN, Qatar, and Turkey. Just, I need you to remember that. Forces who are backed by a parallel government in the east. Ghirian is the main base for the LNA, which they have been launching their offensive against Tripoli since April. Haftar's forces have been incapable of taking over Tripoli in months. They've been blaming Turkey for the logistical and military support they've been giving to Faisal Sarraj, Haftar's rival in Tripoli. The LNA forces have also commanded their ground troops to seize control of all Turkish interests in Libya. Adel Mahroui, CGTN, Cairo. They're expelling all the Turks. I'm surprised Greece hasn't done it yet. They're not allowed to because... You know, Turkey wants to get into the EU and this whole NATO thing and this genocide. They were banking on Schiff's genocide going forward. Listen. Basically, this is the general saying that they will be targeting every single vessel that is Turkish in their water. Every single vessel in Libyan waters they will attack. They have declared war and made it clear that you are not allowed in our waters. Now, for closing this weekend... I just want you to anticipate uh, my article a little bit that's coming out. It's pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. I want you to listen to a hearing from back in the day just to see the similarities of this Hawaiian creep who's now dead. Okay. Um, I don't know if you guys um, remember Daniel Inouye from, uh, he was, just, just listen. The witness and his counsel, we did reluctantly agree to the July 7th opening. Therefore, I would hope that counsel will keep in mind that if he is having troubles, it is not because of our doings. Secondly, as to the opening statement, I wish to read the pertinent parts of the rule, and I'm certain that counsel and witness have studied the hearing rules very carefully and I'm certain they they know what they stand for. 5.3 says the following. Any witness desiring to make an introductory statement shall file 20 copies of the statement with the chairman or chief clerk 48 hours in advance of the appearance The opening statement was filed with this committee 45 minutes ago. Unless the chairman determines that there is good cause for a witness's failure to do so, a witness may be required to summarize a prepared statement if it exceeds 10 minutes. Unless the committee determines otherwise, a witness who appears before the committee under a grant of immunity shall not be permitted to make a statement or testify except to respond directly 
to questions posed by committee members or committee staff. So question number one, did all those professors that provide opening statements submit them 48 hours to the hearing? That's a very good question. I think we need to ask that question. I'm going to be sending off an email right after I sign off air. We have been here sitting for several weeks and we will continue to do so to receive testimony and consider one thing above others, the rule of law. Here once again, the witness is asking us to bend the law and to suggest that he may be above the law. We will abide with his wishes. However, we will insist upon following the rule of law. And if the colonel wishes to make the opening statement, he may do so Thursday morning, which is 48 hours from this date. Mr. Niels, please proceed. Mr. Chairman. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir, for uh, reading my uh, letter that was delivered to you yesterday. <clears throat> In fairness, uh, I think that the committee should be aware of some very important fact. In order to prepare for Colonel North's testimony, we wrote a letter to this committee, to you and to counsel, on March 19th. 1987, many months ago. At that time, Mr. Chairman, we specifically requested that the committee make records available to us in order for Colonel North to testify fully and accurately before this committee about his five years of service to the country. That letter specifically requested that we be provided with all of his documents. Let me read the short letter, please, addressed to you, sir, and to Mr. Hamilton, care of your counsel, and to Mr. Culverhouse at the White House. Gentlemen, in the event Lieutenant Colonel North is, test is called to testify about the subject matter under investigation by the Congress, it will be necessary for him to have prior access to the voluminous documentation and other materials which we believe are in your custody and control. A witness cannot be expected to accurately recall all of the facts related to years of intensive work as a government official without having access to those materials. Okay, so there's a lot of squeaking in the background. I don't know if it's the guy that's taping it back in the 80s on his chair, but um, I can tell you, I wanted you to listen to this because they denied Oliver North to make an opening statement during the first hearing. And they also gave them all the documentation. They withheld all documentation just days before he was to testify so he can't go through it. This is not their first rodeo. It's not their first bag of tricks. And you'll see exactly what is repeating itself. We request that you provide us with all of the relevant materials well in advance to complete, to facilitate complete and accurate testimony. That letter was delivered to the committee and we heard nothing for months. The next significant event, Mr. Chairman, is that on June 30, 1987, just seven days ago, 
We were provided with Colonel North's records under the most unusual of circumstances. They were delivered to us in five boxes. They were shuffled by date and subject matter so that one could not even begin to understand what those records said, much less read them all. And I say to you that this is the first time in my career I've ever had to appear with a client in circumstances in which I have not been able to read all the records. On June 30, when those records were delivered, we were so stunned by the volume of them and the lateness of their arrival that we actually tried to humor ourselves a little bit by piling the documents end on end and taking a photograph of them so we could demonstrate how serious our problem was. The documents piled together exceed the height of Colonel North and cannot possibly be read, studied in a week. Sir, I assure you, and I think you know, that we have worked very hard with you and with counsel to facilitate the important work of this committee. Okay, I'm going to fast forward. Hold on. Begin the interrogation at a later date. We also strongly suggested that it would be in the best interest of your client and the best interest of these proceedings if we had the opportunity to meet with your client for interrogation, deposition, and interviews before this public hearing. See, Oliver North didn't want to do that because in a private setting, he was offered a non-disclosure agreement and told that if you say that, you know, um, the president of the United States lied, then you'll get off. So that's basically um, what happened. This is how corrupt creatures work. They're the same all around. There's no difference. Take a listen to how this continues just quickly. For interrogation, deposition, and interviews before this public hearing. But it was your suggestion that we should limit these executive meetings and we should begin on this date. Therefore, Mr. Niels, please proceed. Mr. Chairman, just one more thought, if I may, sir. Uh, the reference in the letter... Mr. Niels? Uh, Mr. Chairman, could I make one more objection to the proceeding just for the record, Sounds please? like Jerry Adler, say it, right? Sir. Pardon me? Please state it. Yes, sir. Uh, it is my request that the uh, committee uh, withdraw the subpoenas to Colonel North in view of the fact that we believe that the immunity statute as applied in this circumstance is unconstitutional. In view of the many statements made by various members of the committee already indicating that Colonel North is guilty of Look some at crime, this. Listen. Uh, we believe that uh, his rights are adversely affected. And we request that you put uh, congressional prerogatives Look, secondary. He's saying you're already saying he's guilty. Citizen. We need to Thank stop you. this. Your objection has been noted and overruled. Mr. Niels. Judge and jury. <clears throat> Could I ask one more question, please, sir, and I'll be brief. I apologize. Just one more. Since the uh, committee uh, refuses to permit Colonel North to give an opening uh, statement, uh, we have not refused. He may do so Thursday morning. I understand. Would it be... Uh, Pursuant to our rules, he may do so Thursday morning. Right. Would you consider, sir, uh, permitting him to give his opening statement uh, during the lunch break today 
of utilizing this room after the committee adjourns. You may not, sir. Mr. Niels? Colonel North, were you involved in the use of the proceeds of sales of weapons to Iran for the purpose of assisting the Contras in Nicaragua? Counsel, on uh, advice of counsel, I respectfully decline to answer the question based on my constitutional Fifth Amendment rights. Colonel North, you are appearing here today pursuant to subpoenas issued on behalf of the Senate and House Select Committees. I hereby communicate to you orders issued by the United States District Court for the District of Columbia at the request of the committees. So basically, they wanted him to talk about stuff that were secret. They didn't let him have an opening statement because they changed the rules. They also told him that, you know, uh, we don't care if the media and all of us are calling you a liar. And we don't care if that's reported. You're going to have to suck it up, buddy, because this is what we do. The media helped them take it down. But here's the thing. It's coming back to haunt them. Because when you use your bag of tricks that have been tried and tested and worked in the past... It doesn't mean that your own people don't get smarter and find ways to tackle that. On that note, I want to wish you guys a wonderful weekend. It's the sixth day of Christmas today. Did you catch the five golden rings yesterday? I'll see you all on Monday. God bless.